Are you ready to take control of your wealth and design the life you envision for yourself and your family? Welcome to Wealth of Insight with Austin Wittenberg from Wittenberg Wealth Partners. Austin guides you through the entire planning process to help you build a plan that seeks to protect your financial future. He empowers you with creative investment opportunities and planning ideas to help you understand and achieve your long-term goals. It's time to gain confidence in your financial future. Now, onto the show. All right, welcome back to the Wealth of Insight podcast. I'm your host, Austin Wittenberg, and I'm joined by Wendy McConnell again today. Wendy, thanks for joining us. Of course. This episode actually was your idea, so I want to give you your credit up front here um, as we My were recording. hysteria. Yeah, yes. <laughs> Maybe that is a good word, so hopefully we can calm down that hysteria a little bit today. A few weeks ago, you and I were talking about the US dollar and you're hearing all this news about the dollar is going to go away and you should be buying gold and buying silver and all these things because the dollar is under attack. So hopefully after today, we get a, you know some good history about how we got to this point and what it all means. And again, hopefully calming some of that hysteria. Oh, for so you. I don't need to be panicking <laughs> is what you're saying. You don't need to be panicking. Okay. Nope. The world is not going to fall out from under us. Now, that doesn't mean there are changes happening. Certainly, there are changes happening and things that it, it's good to be aware of. But I don't know that you need to swap all your cash out for gold quite yet. Or buy that five-year <laughs> food plan from the Costco emergency kit. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, set me straight. Okay. So, before we get to the dollar, I want to just talk briefly about the history of currency or money, right? And sort of how a currency arrives at a value, right? How do we know how much a dollar is worth relative to other currencies out there? So if you go back hundreds of years, sort of we started at this barter system, which was I grow the corn, you grow the apples. I need some apples, you need some corn, let's swap. So that was sort of the beginnings of of money. Over the years and things, you know, most people I think have heard of what was called the gold standard. So as we got into more civilized societies, let's say, we had what was called the gold standard. So all these countries had their own currencies, but they had gold behind the scenes to match the value of their currency to however much gold they had and what what gold was worth. So it's sort of to back it up. Right. To prove that there is this money is worth something because we've got bars of gold in the back room to make it worth something. Fast forward to today, and we'll get into a little bit of how this happened, but we've moved away from the gold standard to just fiat money, which essentially the way that you can think about our dollar today is the value of that dollar compared to other currencies is based on supply and demand. So normal sort of economic concepts that people are familiar with, supply and demand, deriving at a, at a value or a price. Okay. And there are ways that the Federal Reserve or central banks around the world can influence those supply and demand. We're seeing it now here with the Fed really trying to, they're adjusting interest rates. Interest rates is one way you can impact that supply and demand. Inflation is another way that you can control the value of currencies. Now, that's not something that the Fed again has their standard. This is what we want inflation to be. When we see times like this, 
where inflation gets out of control. That's why they're trying to, again, control this. And you've seen, not necessarily with the US dollar, and I think it's highly unlikely with the US dollar, but in smaller countries, you know, Venezuela, even Russia, inflation's gotten really out of control and just absolutely crushed the value of their currency. Um, we haven't seen that here yet, but that is one of certainly a concern out there. Okay. The other way to control the value of a currency, you know, or that supply and demand is again just the capital flow. So where is money going? If a lot of money is flowing into the US and being transacted in US dollars, that's going to affect the value of that dollar. So the first US dollar really was put in as we know it today was printed in 1914. So obviously the country's been around a lot longer than that. But starting in 1914 is when the Federal Reserve Bank was created and the dollar as we know it today came into play. And, you know, we were still sort of on that gold standard back then. Most at that time, the British pound really was the dominating currency in the world. The British economy was the largest economy in the world, but it was sort of that 1914 shift where it started to shift our way because World War I broke out. So when World War I happens, now countries need a lot of money. They got to pay their military. They got to start investing in their military and spending a lot of money. And there wasn't really enough gold or they didn't have the gold to do that. So that was sort of the separation from that gold standard was at that point where, hey, we got to pay the military. We got to be buying all these things. We're just going to start printing money because we need it. Ooh, and that, that, so that was reasonable. <laughs> yeah. Hey, well, does it sound familiar, right? We're sort of still in that world today. Hey, we need money. Let's print it, right? So that was that shift from the gold standard to really, I think, where we're at today. And it was at that point that the U.S. became a lender to a lot of these countries in the world during World War One and World War Two. They were relying on us to lend them money, which brought the U.S. dollar really into play. And so at the end of World War II, Europe's a mess. Right? The whole world's kind of a mess. And we look pretty good, relatively speaking, right, compared to the rest of the world. So it was in 1944 that the world got together, developed these foreign exchange systems, and decided that because the U.S. economy was now the largest economy, we were lending them all money. The U.S. dollar was now the most used currency. They were all going to now peg their currencies back to the U.S. dollar as opposed to gold because of its relative stability. So that was how we got to where we are today, which is a lot of, you know, a long way to say that was leading up to, again, you know, where we are today. So it was that Breton, and this was actually, I didn't know any of this. So this was, it was been a really good exercise for me to do some of this research. I didn't, I had no clue about this Bretton Woods agreement and this agreement at that point to say, okay, we're not going to link to gold. We're going to peg to the U S and the U S sort of at that point was still trying to peg to gold. But again, we've realized now it's not reasonable at this point, right? There's not enough gold for all the money we need to be printing. Well, I guess my question then is I thought that I learned in econ one that there had to be assets tied to the value of a dollar that you couldn't just print money without any backing whatsoever. And now you're telling me that is exactly what's happening? Yeah. You know, you think about the U.S. printing money now or issuing all these treasury bills or 
treasury bonds where T-bills, the US dollar is still relatively viewed as the most stable or one of the most stable currencies in the world. And those T-bills are backed by the full faith and credit of the US government. They're not backed by gold that's buried out in the backyard. They're just backed by the faith of the US government. So to a certain extent, by us saying, we're going to pay you. Right. Okay. Yeah. So to a certain extent, it's worth something because we believe it's worth something, right? That we trust the US economy, even given its flaws. But again, it's still viewed widely as one of the safest currencies to transact in. And owning a treasury bill is still considered one of the safest investments out there. Again, nothing's guaranteed, but we've seen throughout, especially the last 15 years of all the economic of certain we had from the great financial crisis and COVID and inflation now, treasury bills transacted in the US dollar are still seen as one of, if not the safest assets to own because it's backed by the U.S. government, which is one of the most stable, you know, we're the largest economy in the world, one of the most stable currencies and economies in the world. That faith is sort of where we're at today. So let me ask you this. If is the national debt then tied to the fact that we're just handing out these treasury bills? Yes. Yep. And, you know, so interest rates, we talked earlier about how interest rates are a way to control that supply and demand. And when the rates go up, we're issuing more treasury bills. But yes, you know, that we're issuing those treasury bills because the US government needs money to do stuff, right? They're collecting, it's not the only way. They're obviously, you know, it's they're collecting tax dollars and all these other things. But them loaning those treasury bills, loaning money to you or to other countries, and really the largest owners of these treasury bills are other countries. So you see, that's why. Well, that's actually a perfect lead in here to if it's not going to be the US that's a world reserve currency, who should it be? Because that, you know, they've got the euro and the Chinese yuan or renminbi. Those are sort of the two maybe next most obvious things. And China has expressed a lot of angst recently because they own a lot of these treasury bills, but through inflation and through interest rate rises all the T-bills that they own are now worth a lot less money than they were when they've got them. So they're saying, hey, why does the US get to be in charge of all this? Because look at what they're doing. All of those things are sort of, you know, sort of this constant battle of, well, we are the largest economy, but if you've been owning treasury bills for a long time, like the Chinese government has, you're kind of frustrated right now with America because we've jacked the interest rates and inflation inflated our way out of owing you as much money as it seems like we owed you. Okay. You know, the euro is another strong currency. It's very common. But their challenge right now is Europe doesn't have as strong of a centralized banking system, right? Every there's a lot of countries a part of the euro. So it's a little bit more difficult for them to get everything figured out as opposed to here in the US where it's one Federal Reserve of the banking system. And back again in the early 1900s, the states were kind of just doing their own thing. And that's why the Federal Reserve came to be because gotcha. we, there was got to be a way to get everybody on the the same page. 
when it comes to the euro, England is no longer using that either, right? Right. So yeah. that's another problem with using the euro. Yeah, it's there's so much interaction and, and uh, chaos isn't the right word in Europe, but a lot of things happening there trying to get all these countries on the same page that, yeah, it's just a, that lack of cohesion. They all are, well, most are using the euro, trying to say they're all on the same page, but there's still a lot of infighting with certainly, like you mentioned, England and other countries who are questioning even what's going on there. Okay. So those, you know, I would say it's really the the euro or the Chinese yuan who that are the biggest threats to the US dollar let's say, but there's a long way to go. As it stands right now, nearly 60% of the world's foreign reserves are in US dollars. That's trillions upon trillions of dollars. If you compare that to the euro, it's about 20% of the world's reserves. And the Chinese, and I always get, it's the renminbi or the yuan, depending on how you want to talk about it, but it's only about 3% of global reserves right now. So there would have to be a really, really dramatic shift, which that kind of a shift just doesn't, can't happen overnight. So one of the ways I want to try to ease your mind more than anything is it's, we are so dominant right now that even if we were to, that was to start to change, it's going to be a long process. There's no way that overnight that many trillions of dollars can swap it's just unlikely. And there's really, you know, most people still are good with the US dollar. There's only a couple of countries. You're starting to see it now with recently Saudi Arabia has mentioned, hey, maybe we're open to taking other currencies than the US dollar for oil. China and Russia, especially recently, given the, you know, with Russia's invasion of Ukraine and all the sanctions put on Russia, China still being nice to them. And China and Russia have struck some agreements where they're going to be okay transacting in currencies other than the US dollar. China's really trying to get their currency out there. They're the second largest economy in the world. So there's maybe the next logical choice from that standpoint, but it's still so there's such a huge gap between where the US dollar is relative to the rest of the currencies that it's going to have to, if it does start to change, and even as we see it change, it will be a really long, drawn out process. Well, one of the people who scared me was talking about (laughs) Saudi Arabia, and they made it seem like that was the beginning of the end. So can you tell me a little bit more about what their decision to consider something besides the US dollar on oil really means? Yeah, because the world really runs on oil, right? Everybody needs oil and Saudi Arabia's got the most the of most. it. <laughs> Everybody's needed US dollars to get it from them. And okay. so that's been a, a huge driver of why the US dollar is so involved in the rest of the world is that. Now again, it's also proven itself to be one of the most stable currencies, which is why it's attractive. You don't want to be and you know, you're seeing this in crypto to a certain extent, right? Crypto is out there as, hey, well, it doesn't matter what the world currency is. We're going to have these this cryptocurrency, right, as a replacement. But you've seen the volatility there, yeah, which has scared people away from, can this really be a currency if it's going to be volatile like that? And there are a handful of other currencies in the world that have had similar volatility. 
whereas the US dollar has made, remained relatively stable. Right? So that's one of the main reasons it's attractive. But because everybody's needed it, that's helped maintain that level of stability and they've needed it so that they can buy oil from the Saudis. If that changes or as that changes, then the demand for the US dollar will decrease and back to you know supply and demand sets the price if the demand for the dollar decreases the relative strength decreases as well the where there's disagreement and you know again my optimism versus pessimism or whatever you want to say is really like what's the impact if we're no longer the reserve currency what does that actually mean right what does the, it mean austin yeah <laughs> so the reality of it is there are the hundreds of other, I don't know what the actual number is, but the euro is not the world's reserve currency and they're doing, it's doing just fine. So does it really spur on the end of the world if the demand for the US dollar goes away? I personally think it's unlikely that the demand goes to zero. The worst case scenario is we don't need it for oil or whatever anymore. So now nobody wants it. And there's all these treasury bills or things out there that nobody wants anymore. And they just quit buying us treasury bills and the U S then runs out of money essentially. Right. right. So if you're trying to scare people online, that's a, there's a story to tell there because not making fun of me, Austin. <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, nothing, never say never. Like I'm a believer in that as well. Like certainly though, if, things played out as badly as they could. Nobody needs US dollar anymore. Nobody wants our debt. We've hit the debt ceiling. Our interest rates skyrocket. Inflation is a major issue. The economy comes to a halt because the government doesn't have any money to give out because nobody wants to buy the treasury bills. So that is within the realm of possibility, I guess. I just think that realm, that's a very, very low percentage chance that something like that happens. The far reach is what you're saying. It's a, yes. Yeah. yeah okay. And again, be, part of that is because we have such a huge lead here. So if something like that change were to happen overnight, then I do think it could be dramatic. But if it's a long, drawn out process to make that change, then we can adjust over time. Okay. Well, Historically speaking, Really, the world's largest economy, historically speaking, has been the reserve currency. So I think that's another feather in our cap. Prior to us, it was Great Britain. They were the world's largest economy. So I, that's another reason why I think it's unlikely to change anytime soon is we're the largest economy. The majority of oil aside, the rest of the world needs us to buy all their stuff and mm -hmm. we're buying their stuff in US dollars. And so piggyback that with that the huge lead that we already have in terms of the amount of dollars out there. Those are two, I think, pretty strong reasons why it's not something that is going to, again, lead to major panic. So one more question about Saudi Arabia, because when they say that they're willing to consider taking a different currency, does that mean in addition to the dollar or instead of the dollar? Yeah. So right now it would be in addition to, it would be a different story if they said we are no longer accepting US dollars. Okay. Um, that right now they're just saying, yeah, you can pay us in US dollars. Or if you have Chinese yuan, you know, maybe we'll consider that. 
So if they came out and said, we're no longer accepting U.S. dollars, so now you got to change all your U.S. dollars for something else if you want our oil, that's a more dramatic scenario. Okay. Again, I think that's unlikely because that's not in their best interest because everybody has U.S. dollars. So if they, that would impact them as well. And then if everybody's trying to swap all these currencies, that you know messes with the supply and demand dynamics, and right. you'd see a lot of volatility in currencies. Which again, nobody really wants the having a stable currency is really in everybody's best interest, unless you're someone like China who you want your current. If you can demonstrate that your currency is better than the U.S. dollar, you know, there's maybe some incentive there for you. But at this point. There, that level of stability still reigns supreme. Okay. Okay. All right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Some some deep breaths, right? I so be very gullible. <laughs> yeah. No. And it, it's because it's, like I said, there is a story to tell there that is within the realm of options of, of outcomes. But it's a worst case but, scenario. Yeah. There's the bigger concern really would be just our own economic instability we even saw this a decade ago in 2011, the US's credit rating, their credit score got downgraded, right? So if the rest of the world or even our own rating agencies think, hey, the US government's really not as stable as they say they are, that's a bigger threat, I think, than or other countries saying we'll transact in, in things other than dollars. If our own economic instability gets to the point where People are nervous that the treasury, the U.S. treasury isn't the safest thing, right? Then it really starts to lead down that path. But we're not at that point. When yeah. it happened in 2011, was it upgraded again or is it still at that same level that they put us down to in 2011? The reason I'm asking this is because we're talking about it again with the American government defaulting on their loans the raising of the debt ceiling and all of this stuff. So I'm be- I've been hearing rumblings of that again, of the government defaulting on their loans, which would put another dent into our credit rating. So I'm just wondering if we're going to go back to where we were in 2011 or if we're going to be even lower. Because it was only one of the three rating agencies that downgraded us in in 2011. So there's three different rating agencies. It was one of them. And these are the same ones that rate us? No. So not like your personal credit rating. It's the same ones that would rate like bond issuances of companies or stocks, that kind of stuff, like the S&P, Fitch, Moody's, Mm. those rating agencies. Okay. So there's a possibility. Oh, so then it probably really didn't take because that's the reason I asked. If it's like our credit rating, they throw out the high, they throw out the low, and they keep the middle. <laughs> so right. it's not a problem if only one of them. If only one, yeah, us. there you throw out the low. I don't know whether that is a true signal or sign that things could be bad. And that's what we're trying to get Austin to find out for us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's funny that just a basic Google search there isn't. Yeah. Um, it's complicated. <laughs> yes, there is a lot of a lot to it for sure. Yeah. I believe that we are still down that one credit rating agency has still still has us downgraded, but it's a scale, right? It's not like they took us from an A to an F. They took us from like an A plus 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 to an A plus, right? So still very highly rated, just not the absolute highest 
mark that we could receive. And again, it was just one of the credit rating agencies there, but it is something that's back on the table because we're dealing with the same things we were dealing with in 2011. We're dealing with those now this year with the debt ceiling and other things. So if those downgrades continue to happen and we continue to just, again, not show the economic stability that we've shown for the last hundred years, those are these are all things that would lead us to some sort of change. There's also discussion, and, and it's still early on, so we don't need to spend a ton of time here, but there's a lot of discussion both in the United States as well as China and other countries about coming towards a digital currency. You know, a lot of countries throughout the world are in the process of developing their own digital currencies and potentially looking for a international digital currency that could serve as a replacement for the dollar again very early in that i don't there's nothing there that i think's even worth talking about yet at this point if there's any changes there then that's something we could certainly come back to that shift to digital currency has its own pros and cons but i think that is going to continue to be top of everybody's mind um moving forward you know as a as from a currency perspective but so one know, panic at a time is what you're saying we yes panic the next time <laughs> about this digital currency yeah and about how that's you know what sort of privacy issues or other things are going to be there if everything is only tracked digitally you know we've talked about a lot of stuff here i don't you tell me was telling you we have such a huge lead is that helpful or is that well, yeah, I'm not running out to stockpile food, which I was <laughs> a yeah. week or so ago. I, you know, it's good to have some reserves for food for sure. But yeah, there's a lot of these things, as we've talked about many times on this podcast and in other arenas, people on the news are trying to scare you. That's their job. That's their goal. Right. And again, they're telling you things that are realistic. They're just making it sound like this is the most likely outcome when, in fact, maybe. It certainly can be an outcome, but maybe one of the least likely outcomes. Right now, again, with the with how much the US dollar is is used now, that's not something that can change overnight. And, you know, again, maybe the optimist in me is even if the US were to lose their reserve status, there's plenty of other currencies out there who don't have that status that are operating just fine. I don't think it means if we lose that reserve status, we automatically fall to the bottom of the list, right? We're still the largest economy in the world. Everybody needs our stuff and they need us to buy their stuff. Even if that reserve currency status gets changed, it's not that we're heading into an economic collapse here in the United States. Okay. You have convinced me to at least (laughs) take a breath. Hang on for a little (laughs) bit longer. Just a little bit longer. (laughs) All right. Well, yeah. My husband mostly thanks you. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. I'm saving him from having to go spend $5,000 on food that you'll probably never eat in this (laughs) astronaut food. Yeah. It's not going to be good. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I do appreciate you taking the time to explain it to me because I do think that we're looking at information now which is exactly what you're talking about. They're giving a very small scenario that's a very, very small possibility of it happening and making it seem like that is what is going to happen. Right. Yep. That's exactly it. I'm glad this was helpful today. If any of you listeners out there have any questions, feel free to shoot us a text at 801-839-7056, or you can hit our website, 
there's a way to schedule a meeting there with me. Please also remember to subscribe and share with your friends and family. Thank you for listening to the Wealth of Insight podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. Securities offered through LPL Financial, member FINRA SIPC. Investment advice offered through Stratos Wealth Partners, a registered investment advisor. Stratos Wealth Partners and Wittenberg Wealth Partners are separate entities from LPL Financial. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Wittenberg Wealth Partners. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning.